Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Good morning. My name is Wes, pastor of men's ministry and missions and outreach. Best job in the world. Love being here with you today, getting to share God's Word with you. Um, I'm going to invite the students to stand up, and we're going to bless them as they go to their classes right now. So if you're near a student or you see a student, extend a hand or place a hand on them, and let's pray a blessing over them. God, we just uh, ask for your spirit to go with each of these students. They're going to go upstairs. They're going to hear your word. They're going to hear... Uh, from folks who love you. So I pray that they, their hearts are impressed upon uh, your spirit and your word, that they will walk out of here differently today than when they came in. So we lift up them and their families and their leaders. In your name, amen. All right, bye, guys. Have fun. So we're in a, th- a three-week p- series. I'm, I'm finishing a three-week series right now on the armor of God. And this comes from Ephesians 6, uh, verses 10 through 18. And we, we titled the series Re-Enlist, or kind of like a recommitment uh, to, to the armor of God, to God. And so Larry did a great job the last couple weeks. He set it up two Sundays ago with uh, verses 10 through 12. And essentially, he, he went through uh, the verses that talk about the, the, the battle is not with flesh and blood. The battle is with the powers and, and authorities that are in the heavenly realms and that we need to choose to recognize that that's where the battle is found. And then last week he talked about uh, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and then the readiness or the gospel of peace of our, to go with our, our feet. And so did a great job uh, for the last couple of weeks setting up this idea of the armor of God that protects us from the schemes of the evil one. And today, uh, I'm going to focus on verses 16 through 18. You can see it on the screen or get out your Bible, Bible app. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the conclusion up front. I'm going to tell you where I'm going to go today, and then we're going to take a look at Scripture, you know, unpack that a little bit. But this is where we're going to go. We're going to go to a place with the conclusion being that we should value prayer, that our commitment to prayer should be of the highest priority in our lives. I heard a sermon uh, by Francis Chan a few weeks ago and it, it punched me in the face. I, kinda, I enjoy that, but I hate it at the same time when these sermons just kind of just kick me. But he he's started a sermon and there's a crowd of people and he has 30 minutes for this sermon. He said, okay, he's like, if I told you that after this sermon in the lobby, if you just come up to me, I will give you $100,000. He goes, I would not have to take the next 30 minutes to convince you to come and to get that $100,000. You would just, you just would. You already know the value of that. He goes, but what I'm going to have to do today, and this is what he said at the beginning of his sermon, is I'm going to take the next 30 minutes and I'm going to try and convince you to see the value of prayer, to see the value of being connected to the creator of the universe. He's, and I'm, I'll probably help you understand that a little bit. He's like, it was, it was a challenge to me because I don't always value prayer like I should. Um, whether it's my pride, like, oh, I, I know the answer. I don't need to stop and ask or whatever. It takes time. It takes energy. So sometimes I, I don't put the commitment on prayer like I should because I'm lazy. I just don't want to take the time. It's hard work sometimes. You have to be honest. You have to come before the Lord. Sometimes that keeps me from putting a high value 
on prayer. Sometimes it's a lack of faith. You know, God, I prayed this prayer for a while. You didn't answer it the way I wanted you to, so now maybe I don't know. Do I believe in it? Do I not believe in it? And so there's, there's reasons why it's hard to pray sometimes, but that's where we're going to go today is, is there, that we would put a high value on, the highest value on prayer. So let me pray right now. Uh, God, we do thank you that you're here with us. Thank you for the students that just left, uh, for our conversations before uh, this message, or our conversations with you during this message, and then afterwards. Uh, we want to hear from you. I want to hear from you right now, God. Uh, so we lean on, on the fact of who you are, that you um, are here with us. In your name, amen. So verses 16 through 18, I'll just read these for you right now. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So that's kind of the conclusion of this armor of God piece, but let me, I'm just going to remind you and read for you the beginning of it, because this is, this is why the armor of God is so important. Verses 10 through 12, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Uh, when we talk about these spiritual forces, obviously the first thing I think of is a mosquito, because <laughs> we all do. <laughs> no, not, not really. But I was doing some research this week, and I learned that mosquitoes can fly through the air, and a raindrop can come full speed and hit a mosquito, and it either just deflects off of them or literally the mosquito goes right through the raindrop. Like it might dip it down a little bit, but it will just survive this attack, this onslaught of a, I wish it would die, but it doesn't. It goes through the raindrop. And a raindrop is 50 times heavier than, than, a, than a mosquito. That would be like an, an, an SUV-sized raindrop falling on each one of us goes right through. Mosquitoes are, interestingly, uniquely designed to be able to withstand the hit of a, of a raindrop. And so the illustration for me this morning is if, if we put on this full armor of God, if we commit to prayer, then we will be uniquely equipped to handle anything that comes our way. The size of an SUV, we will be able to face an attack. Mosquitoes don't avoid raindrops. They just they just fly through them. And that's also one of the, the illustrations for us here is that, that when attacks come our way, we're not equipped to run. We're not equipped to avoid. We're not equipped to deny. We're actually equipped to go through that attack that comes our way. This is the image that Paul wants to give us. This is a, an idea of a soldier. So the, the full armor of God, this soldier is fully protected, has everything he needs to withstand the battle. Now, there are six parts to the armor of God. Five of them are defensive, and one of them is an offensive weapon. We're going to talk about two of the defensive ones today, and then one 
offensive weapon. But soldiers are not meant to, to run or else there would be protection on their back. There'd be something behind them. Soldiers are meant to stand in, to go against the thing that comes against them. That's how they are equipped and uniquely designed. And it's the same way for attacks for the evil one that come against us. We, we shouldn't run. We shouldn't hide from them. We shouldn't deny that they're happening. We should go through them. So verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This phrase, in addition, is literally meant to be cover all or over all. So when we take up our shield of faith, it is literally to cover all of truth, all of righteousness, and all of peace in our life. It's to cover everything. There's a picture of a soldier here. and Here's, here's another picture of, of a group of soldiers, what, what that would have looked like. So even together, we are given this picture that we, we are literally to cover all. Shield of faith is to cover all. Our faith is to cover all truth, righteousness, and peace. And we know the faith from Hebrews 11 is defined as, as a belief or a certainty of something that's unseen. God is unseen, but, but our certainty in who he is. And it says that it will extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. God doesn't say, hey, take up the shield of faith and you'll, you'll survive most of your battles. No, he says, this, this is to protect you from all of the darts that come your way. Uh, historically, the, the, these darts or these arrows would have been put fire on the tip of them. So when I read this, I'm like, how does, how does a shield extinguish these, these flames? How does that happen? Um, but when I did a little bit more research, uh, this is a, the picture of a shield you can see here as well. I did a little bit more research. They were oblong, you know, shields, four feet by two feet, roughly. And what they were made of was interesting to me. Shields are made of wood that's glued together. It's made of linen. It's made of hide or leather, and then also iron. So if I kind of pictured, like, the front of these shields being very hard and, like, the... the the arrows would come in and they would kind of fling off of them and just go away. And then, you know, but that's not what they do. They're actually literally designed to consume the darts. Or else, if, if an arrow comes at me, it's going to deflect and it's going to hit my buddy over here. Or it's going to hit my buddy over here. So shields are uniquely designed to consume these. And what, what soldiers would do is they would take oil and water, either before the battle, after the battle. They would have to maintain their shield. Otherwise, they would become brittle they, they would, be, would be rendered ineffective and some of those darts would get through. In Caesar's Civil War in 48 BC, a soldier was found alive with over 200 darts stuck in his shield. So what would happen is this dart would be consumed by the shield and it would put out the flame that was on the front. And Paul, Paul knew that, that he knew this and his audience would have known this as well. So the, the illustration is you know, are you maintaining your faith? Are you, one, believing that there's an attack coming your way? Are you, two, then taking that shield of faith, which is this belief in God that he has a plan? And then are, are you allowing that to consume the arrows that come our way? So are you in war? Do you have a spiritual battle that you are fighting right now? Some, you may go, I'm not sure. 
I don't know if I'm in a spiritual battle. I'm not, I'm not sure what that looks like. So then the next step for you is to trust Paul here. Trust the word of God that you are in war, that there are attacks that are coming at you that want to destroy you. Uh, James says in his second chapter, he says, faith without works is dead. So if you say you have faith, then that should lead you to some sort of action. You should be able to answer this question. Because of my faith, I said this. Because of my faith, I did this. Because of my faith, I am friends with this person. Because of my faith, I am in relationship with this person. So we are to, one, recognize that there are attacks coming against us, where those attacks are coming from, the evil one, and we need to literally pick up our shield, cover everything else, our shield of faith, which is this belief that God is and he has a plan and it should lead to actions. The helmet of salvation, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now once, once you've put on all this armor and you've grabbed your shield, you don't really have a, two hands to put your helmet on. And Paul's readers would have known this, so you kind of have to receive the helmet. You have to, it has to be put upon you. So it, that's the same way that we receive our salvation. It is not of our own power, but it is of Christ. And we receive not only forgiveness of our sins, we receive eternity with him, part of his family forever, and then we receive salvation or, or saved from things here while we're on the earth. But it's something that we receive. It's not something, that, it's a recognition of who Jesus is in our life. It's also the helmet of salvation because it's, it's protecting your, your head, your thoughts, the way of thinking that you, that you live, your head space. So, so think about this. There's never been a decision that you have made or that I have made that didn't make sense to us at the time. Now, it might have been the wrong decision ultimately, but we make decisions based on what we know in that moment. Even if, even if someone like makes you do something, you're obligated to do something, you're still choosing to do it based on the obligation with that person, so it makes sense to you. Not all decisions that we make make sense, but because of this helmet of salvation, because of how we think and how we process, you know, Paul even says in Romans 12 that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Literally changes and synapses physically in our brain change depending on how we think through things. And we are to think through things starting with Jesus is our salvation and not from our own power. So I asked my wife, I said, what's, what's a decision that I made one time that was, you know, it made sense to me but was kind of a dumb decision and she had a whole list within like five seconds but the first one that came out of her mouth was well you got to talk about your last job so my previous job to this 17 years ago uh, I was a resident director at Mount Vernon Nazarene College at the time and 200 guys in, in this dorm and I was in charge of you know small groups and building community and and council and making sure they didn't break rules and all this stuff I loved it it was a great job we get to the end of the year it's finals week and I have this I have this idea that's beautiful, that, that we're, I'm gonna get all these guys together, we're gonna, we're gonna have a good time, the religion majors are gonna be connected to the business majors, they're gonna enjoy each other, we're gonna create a memory, it's gonna be awesome, the, the jocks are gonna connect with the nerds and they're gonna take pictures and make memories, everybody's gonna wanna do this. So, <clears throat> what made sense at the time, I went out and bought 800 rolls of toilet paper so we could TP the campus. 
And we did a great job. People are taking pictures, they're loving, they're high-fiving, all that stuff. It was beautiful. White was just flowing everywhere. <clears throat> well, our school was transitioning from a college to a university, and they had hired a marketing team to come in and take pictures the next day. <clears throat> and um, so anyway, I get, I get a call from my boss. She says, come on in. She says, I had a conversation with the president. He wants you to be fired. And I'm like, makes sense. I'm really sorry. I'm an idiot. Uh, and then she, it's, the secret was that she, she fired me because she had to, but then she paid me for the next three months, so it was really great. And my wife's like, you didn't even learn your lesson. And I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> and then one of the other things that made sense to me was, was that since this was a school-sponsored event, that obviously I would pay for the toilet paper with the school's credit card. <laughs> I then had to pay that back, by the way. But we, we operate under this idea that what makes sense to us at the time. If what makes sense to us at the time is something in our own power, in our own might, then that's what we're going to do. If it makes sense to us in a moment that, that, that I seek Christ first in this, and I'm going to listen to what he says, then we will, our pattern will literally be different. We will live differently, and that's this helmet of salvation. And it goes on in verse 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And this is the only offensive weapon that we're given uh, in, in the armor of God. <clears throat> Jesus modeled this for us because it's, what this is is living in the Spirit, acknowledging the Spirit, and then using God's promises, using God's words, using Scripture, using stories of, of God's character to fight against the evil schemes. And Jesus did this well, the, the tempter... The evil one says to him, hey, if you're the son of God, tell these stones become bread. And Jesus' answer in the spirit includes God's word. We are to use God's word as a weapon to, against the evil schemes. We are to, to fight back with principles of God's word. We're to, if you're in this like, situation and it feels insurmountable, it's too big, there's no way you can win. Okay, David and Goliath, he gave me that story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on that promise. You know, he, he brought the people out of Egypt. I'm going to lean on that promise today. I'm being tempted. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation can overcome me if I'm leaning on Christ. I'm going I'm to have these go-tos. Do you have a go-to in your life when schemes, evil things, temptations come against you that you use as a weapon against it? So the shield of faith, uh, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And it says in verse 18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We are called to pray. We are called to be prayers. We are called to have a life that, that seeks communication with the creator of the universe. I don't believe this, the armor of faith works without that connection to God. I don't believe you can put on, oh, you can say all these things and I'm doing all this, but if you're not connected with God in prayer, listening, sharing, requests, if that's not happening, the armor of God is not armor. And this is what I believe the armor of God is to fight against. I believe the armor of God is to fight against lies. Because that's what happened to Jesus 
the evil one used scripture, he manipulated with truth and with scripture, he wove it all together in this manipulative lie. And the armor of God is also to protect us against the consequences of lies. So when we take up that shield of faith, we, we receive the, the helmet of salvation, when we, we grab our scripture and our promises from God, it's fighting against lies, lies from other people, lies from our, our own self, lies from our past, lies from the evil one. That's what we're defending against. And today I have a friend, a good friend of mine that's gonna come join me on stage, uh, Eric Butler. And he is going to help illustrate what it means to have these lies come against him and what he does to fight against them. So give it up for Eric. Uh, Eric is one of my closest friends. Uh, he attended North years ago with his family. Uh, his wife, Misty, and him would serve in student ministry for, faithfully for a number of years. Jonah and McKenna, her, his, her kids, uh, grew up in the children's ministry and the youth ministry here at North. And uh, we vacation with Eric. Uh, Eric's one of those guys in my life that I don't lie to. He can't lie to me. I can't lie to him. Uh, we hold each other accountable, and we also have some fun together, too. And so thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you tell, um, tell the folks here what the journey has been like the last five years for you? Well, lots happened the last five years. Uh, five years ago, I was married to Misty. We would have been married for going on 21 years in August. Uh, my two kids, Jonah and McKenna, would have been... 17 and 18 at the time. Um, today, Jonah's 24, McKenna's 23, and I would have been married 26 years in August. Um, but five years ago, um, all hell on earth came to me. Uh, there was a separation from Misty that lasted 14 to 18 months, had a kid go into rehab. Uh, we were trying to save our marriage and get our kid back on track. And then my best friend and wife um, committed suicide and left me a very um, destructive letter um, that I was devastated. Um, and then on top of that, um, my kids were obviously hurt and confused and uh, didn't know what to do, and they moved out of the house into, with Misty's family. And there was a lot of blame towards me in this process. Um, at this point, I was left utterly alone. Well, that's quite not true because Wes wouldn't leave my house for like three days except to pick up his kids. Even when I asked him to leave, he said no, and I had to let him stay. Um, and I need to take a, a pause for a second in my five years. Um, at this time in my life, I was an extreme people pleaser. Uh, what people thought of me as a believer, as I wanted them to think of a good father, um, great husband, a godly man, um, was extremely important to me. And it was that old Andre Agassi commercial that for Rebel Cameras, image was everything. That was important because family was everything to me. So back to the five years, uh, the kids and I started going to dinner and it was such a painful, horrible time because everything was seen through a lens that was so cloudy of hurt, pain, anger, confusion, really. Um, and then after about six months of this and uh, the kids, something happened where they were living and they made a choice to come back and live in, in our house. Um, it was. It, we probably existed is the best way. It wasn't healthy, but we didn't have anything else at that point. I didn't know what to hope for. The prayers that I had prayed for all these years have seemed like a distant memory of promises, of like a movie that you saw that you couldn't 
it wasn't your life, it was someone else's, and I didn't know how God would um, use it. But there was a thread in this, um, that the counselor that was trying to save our marriage was still my counselor, um, and he had a perspective of Misty and me uh, and our kids and our families that got me to a place that God could use me and heal me. Um, well, heal me, not use me. Um, and at that point in my life, I didn't accept conflict as good. Anytime you had conflict, that was going to lead to divorce or separated relationships. Um, but that wasn't possible anymore. Conflict seemed to come every few days, if not more. Um, but the last few years have been wonderful miracles um, and healing. And God's really put me in a place that's finally transformed me into a man, or trying to be a man at least. Um, my kids and I's relationship, it, we, they know I love them, I know they love me, but it's not the same. It's not the love that we had, and it's not the love that as a dad I would wish for, but I'm okay, I don't need to fix it. If God chooses to change it, that's okay. I don't wanna manipulate anything. I want God to move. So that's been a little few things going on the last five years. A few things going on, yeah. Um, so as a result of, of this tragedy, um, what were some of the lies that came at you and some of the consequences of those lies? Well, as you can imagine, a lot of lies have been coming at me. Um, one, I will never find love again, never have a relationship with my kids that's real. Um, won't be impactful to my grandkids. Not that they're coming anytime soon, I hope. Um, that God can't use me anymore, um, or never will. Uh, and the spirit of suicide will l lurk in my family forever. Um, I think the biggest lie is around the letter that Misty left me. Um, it was meant to destroy me or get me to destroy myself. Now, I've got to say that I don't believe it was Misty necessarily as the, en the enemy having a lie that was given on to me. Um, and it's, I knew that letter was going to be used to destroy, destroy any future good relationship I may have. Um, and the enemy was going to use those things as... Um, to not let me have anything with my kids as well. Yet in the, the process, yet unbeknownst to me in the process of this, um, the letter that was given to me, um, because we were legally separated, the detective closing the case gave a letter to my kids, my letter to my kids. And I found this out last year, that they had my letter. Um, and I had burned that letter and let Wes and two other friends read it. And I gave it to my counselor because I knew that was what was the enemy was going to use to destroy anything good in my life. Um, how Misty left really has affected the kids and me differently. For them, it's caused a lot of confusion, hurt, pain. Where was God in this process? The God that she loved, and she did love God. Um, our trust was ripped away, and uh, the enemy tried to destroy our family. Um, as for me, I've realized that God's been showing me that I allowed a stronghold to build around my heart that says, I'm never going to be hurt like this again. I'm never going to let that happen because this took me to the edge and it wanted to kill me. And for me to walk out, I was never going to let that happen again. I didn't say that out loud, but that's what it felt like. And as I started dating, it was evident the people pleaser was gone. I'm not sure the women appreciate that or not, but... Um, but I enjoyed parts of being alone for the first time in my life, my quiet times with God. But God in his patience and love has helped me get to a place of learning to love again and find a healthy place in that. It's not easy, but I don't want easy. I want what God has. Um, that's where the lies have been. Okay, so what did you do to defend yourself against the lies and the consequences of lies? 
time in the Word has been amazing. Journaling um, and prayer, lots of prayer. I've surrounded myself with three men that know everything in my life, but nothing is off limits. Um, and I've made a dec conscious decision to allow Jesus to interrupt my life. And that means if he prompts me to have a fun conversation, which is usually conflict a little bit in my world, my word is have those or text someone a prayer, whatever it is, um, and letting go of whatever anybody thinks of me and, and, and establishing what Jesus says of me. I remember um, distinctly after Misty had passed and the kids were gone, I was um, laying on my floor at the house, sobbing in my master bedroom. And one of the verses he had given me in the separation was Isaiah 41, 13. says, I'm the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. It is now tattooed on my right arm, but is I'm asking God, how? How are you going to do this? And um, what I heard was this, do you trust me? And let me be honest, I hate that question because, yes, I love God. He's my Savior. He saved me. I've seen miracles. But do I really trust him in this process? Look what happened. The thousands of prayers that we've had are, there's nothing left. Um, and a, to give a little context, a few years before that, um, I was reading John Eldridge's book before all this broke loose, was Walking with God. It's how to hear God's voice, that God desires for us to hear him. And I'm so thankful for this because God is so real, and he communicates with us, and, and you can hear him and how the desire is there. Um, it's not a one-way street, which is prayer, and thank God for that, or I wouldn't have made it through this season. Um, and I had a choice here of going, I could build my life back the way I thought it should be or how to make it work, but that didn't really end up so well in my, how I thought it should be. It was a, a kind of a fire at the time, so I chose to let God rebuild in me what he wanted to and whatever that looked like. Um, I wanted healing and wholeness, and I above everything else, I wanted to see God move. Um, it has not been easy, I will say that, but it has been good. Specifically around Jonah and McKenna, he continually reminds me over, um, that he loves them far greater than me. He doesn't, hasn't forgotten them. He hasn't forgotten the thousands and thousands of prayers that Misty and I have prayed for them. It's just I haven't seen him come to fruition yet. And um, he's asked me in the process to let my kids walk this out this in their own way without controlling it, because I have no control anyways. But he's asked me to be okay with them being angry at me in this process. And as a dad, it's been the hardest thing in my life to do. But here's what I hear. Jesus goes, do you trust me? And I'm standing in the midst of this pain, and, and I have to answer Jesus, do I trust him? And I want to say yes. Um, for me, I thought God would never use me again. Life is funny, though, as you uh, expose your failures and brokenness, and not in a victim way, just in a real way, how it changes things. We were sitting at church last week, and the pastor turned around, that you guys do, and make us uncomfortable, um, and asked us to talk to someone we didn't come with. And, uh, and ask these three questions. And so I'm talking to this woman. I share briefly my story here. And, she's, and I'm crying. And she starts crying and sharing her brokenness and hurts and desires and just how God is moving. And I'm, it was a joyful time, not anything else. It wasn't manufactured. I turn around and go, God, how do you do this? He, I, this happens so often in my life. And 
He just says, I want to use you, use you to get to others. And it's not about you, Eric. It's about my healing and my wholeness. I'm just a vehicle. I get no credit, which is great. I don't want it. I never understood how brokenness um, is a strength until Jesus continues to keep using this broken vessel, just someone saying yes to him. Um, as for me, I am dating Brittany, who's here with me today. Um, yes, I still hear the enemy whisper, yell, and scream my past at me, and I just tell him to look, ask my dad. He'll tell you who I am and who I can be. Jonah, McKenna, I know you couldn't be here this morning, but I love you, and I believe in you. I trust you in this process. Jesus, I'm only sitting up here because of the things that you've done, not anything of me. Help me to trust you more. Um, show your appreciation to Eric for sharing. So, so Paul's encouragement, uh, my encouragement, Eric's encouragement uh, today is to, to commit to prayer, to value prayer, the connection with the God of the universe, uh, that that is our stronghold, and then we can put on that armor of God and be protected against the evil one. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Uh, for what you've done in each of our lives. I thank you for what you've done in Eric's life, and it's, a, it's an ongoing process. We recognize that, um, but we, uh, we need you. We need to trust you and allow us to, to do just that as we go forward. In your name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. In 2009, there was a, a Barna study that asked this question and figured out um, that 40% of Christians, 40% of Christians believe that Satan is not an actual being, but just a symbol for evil. And Paul talks against that belief. We need to recognize that there are attacks coming at us. And sometimes we need, we need accountability. We need help to remain in him. So if you, hopefully there's someone in your life that's asking you, hey, are you putting up that shield of faith? Are you grabbing that helmet of salvation? Are you fighting back with God's words, God's promises? And sometimes we just need a reminder on our phone. I literally have a reminder on my iPhone, 7 o'clock every morning, prayer, Bible study. I feel like I shouldn't need that reminder, but it helps me. So what, you can put things in your life that help you stay connected to the Lord. I grew up in a house that my mom would put Bible verses all over uh, the house is a couple, couple of pictures. These are her current ones that she has. There, in her bathroom, there's a, there's a post-it note on her mirror. You go to her office, there's a, there's a note on her desk. You get in her car, there's a note on her, dash, her dashboard. These are promises from Scripture that, that she leans on. So let's leave. Let's do that today. Let's see the value in that commitment to prayer, and then we'll put on that full armor, and we'll be protected and be victorious. Love you guys. Thanks for coming. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, 
and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.